on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the Fan Network show on TalkSport 2, a brand new show for all of you fans who love your EFL football. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and every week I'll be discussing all of the biggest talking points, news and views from around the Football League with the most important people, you, the fans. TalkSport has created a home for club-dedicated podcasts, the TalkSport Fan Network. These are podcasts made by the fans for the fans so that every supporter can hear about the latest stories from their club. These podcast hosts will join me each week and discuss the biggest stories from their club. This evening we'll discuss Southampton's 25-game unbeaten run coming to an end. Where does this leave their promotion hopes? Contributor to the Total Saints podcast, Martin Sanders, will join us. We'll also be joined by William Young from the To Hullenback podcast to get the latest on the Tigers' playoff push. We'll also talk all things Millwall as they fight for championship survival. What's been going wrong this season? Mickey Simpson from That Millwall Podcast gives us his thoughts on that very topic. Finally, we'll dive into League One and discuss Port Vale's surprise appointment of Darren Moore. Johnny Hancock from the Ale Vale Podcast joins us to give his verdict on their new manager. Lots to get through over the next hour. This is the EFL Fan Network right here on TalkSport 2. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. I'm Justin Beattie. Glad to have you with us over the next hour. We'll start with Southampton's push for automatic promotion and the end of their 25-game unbeaten run. A surprise defeat to Bristol City resulted in dropped points in the chase to reach the Premier League as they dropped to third in the table. What does Martin Sanders, contributor to the Total Saints podcast, make of their chances? He joins us now on the EFL Fan Network. 25-game unbeaten streak came to an end. Were you surprised by the defeat to Bristol City? Um, no, I wasn't dis- I wasn't surprised. I-, I was at the game against Huddersfield at St Mary's on Saturday and, and that first 45 minutes, there's a few cracks appeared. Mm. I was a little bit concerned going that, into that second half, but I knew that we'd have the quality to turn it around at home with your with your home fan base. And we're, we're a few boos actually in, in the in the St. Mary's crowd at half time on Saturday. And I didn't like that. I didn't think after at that stage with 24 games unbeaten to, to hear a very small section of your fan base boo. Mm. I found it a little bit upsetting because I think Russell's done a wonderful job. We'll probably come on to him. But yeah. I, I was I was surprised by that. And then to go into Bristol City, I knew it'd be a hard game. Pitch is never great there. It always moves the ball moves a bit slower, I always think at Ashton Gate, they obviously play other sports on it, but yeah, I wasn't surprised. It, it's it's been coming. It was always going to come at some stage. I thought it was going to come Friday at West Bromwich Albion, to be honest. But I think it just makes the game on Friday against West Brom that li- that little bit more important, that little bit harder. Is there reason for Saints fans to be concerned after the defeat or after the incredible run they've had? Was it always going to come to an end? It was always going to come to an end. Yeah, definitely. It was always going to come to an end. I think the squad's really strong because they've made some really good additions in January. Um, I'm a little bit worried because of the fixture pile up and the amount of games that we have to play. You know, it's a, it's a tough fixture run at this moment in time. Like I'm looking at the fixtures that are coming up and it's a, it's a tough week. It was a, Obviously, we played Huddersfield Saturday. We then had to go to Ashton Gate Tuesday, West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns on Friday night, live on TV as well. And then we got we got Hull City at home on Tuesday night, and then it's back at home again on Saturday against yeah. Millwall. Liverpool wedged in there. It's, it oh, was yeah. always going to be tough. 
Yeah, you're away to Liverpool in the uh, in the FA Cup, aren't you? Yeah, of course. There's another mm. fixture crammed in there as well. In terms of automatic promotion, do you think the Saints have enough to see off Leeds and Ipswich for second place? I think it's going to be really tough. Um, I think Leeds have good momentum at the moment. I, I I do a lot of watch-alongs. I was on a TikTok live watch-along during the Bristol City game on a Tuesday night, and it was there must have been 100 Leeds fans in there just uh, saying, we're coming for you, we're coming for you. It was constant. There were so many Leeds fans that, that, that they firmly believe that they will they will pip us to to that second spot. I think it'd be really hard for us to get automatic promotion. I always said that at the start of the season. Definitely got the 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 players in the door that he needs to carry out. But I just think there was a, just a few warning signs of not like really leggy and really tired. I think the way that Russell plays expects a lot of the players that they work extremely, extremely hard. And I just feel that the West Bromwich Albion game comes a little bit too soon for us. There's not a massive amount of recovery. But it, it will be a real test for us. If we can bounce back against West Bromwich Albion on Friday night and get a result, we can go into the next two home games and get you know get decent results. I think we could we could give it a really good go, but it will all come down to this West Brom game. The turnaround of this team under Russell Martin, there, there was a time when his job was being questioned. What's mm. been key to the Saints' revival, would you say? I can't speak highly enough for Russell Martin. I... I uh, I think he's been brilliant for the football club, not just on the playing side, but in the club in general. We had a really broken fan base this time a year ago and as we got relegated from the Premier League. But Russell's brought everybody together. He interacts with the fans. He's united a fan base. And I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about him in our fan base. Everybody absolutely loves him. He's done a wonderful job with, with the playing squad. You know, 135 days, they went unbeaten. It, it, in all competitions, it's it's unbelievable, really. It's 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 a club record that we broke. We broke. Uh, it was a club record for unbeaten runs in all competitions. A club record for unbeaten runs in the football league. Eleven straight home victories, and that's obviously, you know, we, we could hopefully make that twelve when we play Hull uh, next week. So he's done rem a remarkable job here, and he will manage in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. I hope it's with Southampton and he can get us up. But it is really, really important that we get promoted this season. I've, I've said it to everyone, Justin. I think it's the squad of players we got. Everyone keeps saying to me, oh, yeah, we're in the championship. This is brilliant. We don't want to go back to the Premier League. And what people don't understand is if you don't go back to the Premier League this year, the parachute payments slow down and the likelihood of losing a vast majority of this squad. There will be takers for so many of these players. A Carl Walker, Peter Spain in the championship is quite unbelievable, really. Yeah, I mean, there is a, a vast array of talent in the squad. But if there was a potential weakness, uh, where, where would it be? I think it was highlighted against Bristol City at Ashton Gate on Tuesday night. And that was in central midfield in the sixth role, which Flynn Downs has been playing. He's on loan from West Ham and he's been unbelievable for Southampton. He's mm. such a good player, moves the ball so well. He's everything good. What what we do as a, as, as a team all goes through Flynn. He, he breaks up play, he protects the back four, and we look so exposed. The minute he went off, it was nil-nil when he left the field to play uh, against Huddersfield on Saturday. And since he's been out the side for that 70-odd minutes, um, plus the 90-odd that we played on, on on Tuesday night, we've conceded six goals without him. So it shows how pivotable he is in that side. He, he's a real key player. Adam Armstrong has been phenomenal this season. Will he be difficult to keep hold of, even if the Saints go up? Interesting. He really struggled in the Premier League, did, did Adam Armstrong. And I, I'm pretty sure that he would have wanted a fresh start this 
this summer. It was it was well spoken about down here that he was looking for for maybe a new challenge. He found it really really difficult down here. The Premier League was tough. We went through you know, several managers last year. Nobody played to his strengths. He looked like a player that didn't have any confidence at all. He looked dejected at the end of last season. And Russell got hold of him in in this in this summer. He's made him the vice captain, and he's been outstanding. He's been brilliant. He's more assist than any other player in the championship. He scored a bucket load of goals, and he's a he's a top player for Southampton. I like us to keep hold of him, and I think if we if we were able to gain promotion, I think he want another crack at the Premier League. Um, would he get another Premier League move away from Southampton? You know, from Southampton, I'm not so sure. But he deserves another chance in the Premier League, Adam Armstrong, in my opinion. If Southampton were to get promoted this season, what effect would that have on Russell Martin and the club? I think it'd be massive if, if they were to get promoted. I think Russell's style of player, you'll, you'll be very familiar with it. You would have seen in a lot of championship games. The way he likes to play football can be risky. They like to play possession-based. The goalkeeper becomes a key, key player within this system. He almost becomes like, plays almost as a, as a sweeper at times. Bazunu's done well this year. I've got to give him massive, massive credit. Again, it's down to the manager. He backed him in the summer. He 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 came out in a fans forum when they were very quick to say, well, you need a goalkeeper, Russell. And he was like, I've got no problem with my goalkeeper. The, the goalkeeper we have is outstanding. If I was signing the goalkeeper, I'd go and sign Kevin Bazunu. And Bazunu's brilliant. And he's about everything we're, we're good about. And if we go back to the Premier League, will that style of play playing out from the goalkeeper, will we have the players to carry that out in, in a league that's more ferocious and were technically better players, I think it'd be really tough and he would need he would need to bring some players in, that's for sure. I just don't think he'd... We're way short of having a Premier League squad and there's a massive gap between the Championship and the Premier League, in my opinion, as a, as a football fan. You've seen it, us dropping down with Leicester dropping down, Leeds, there's a huge, huge gap and you need to bring a lot of players in to, to make it work and you'd have to sort out... You'd have to sort the squad out quite quickly because there's a lot of loans and a lot of contracts expiring and it would need a lot of work in in the summer. So the Saints will look to bounce back against West Brom tomorrow, but it's mm. not the easiest task against the team right in the playoff race, is it? No. The, and to, to be fair, West Brom and Jalbin, when they come to St Mary's before Christmas, I'd say that they were, other than Leicester, they're the best side I've seen at St Mary's. They were outstanding. They're a strong, big side and they will cause you problems. Really good manager in Carlos Colbran. He's done a, an incredible job there. You'd say he's probably, with the with the resources he's had and the money he's spent, he's probably doing the best job of any any manager in the division. I think it's a tough place to go. That their record at home's unbelievable. I think they've only lost two at home all season. It's a really really tough place to go for Southampton, and they would have to be at the races. They won't be able to start the game like they did against Huddersfield or Bristol City. They will have to be at the races from the get go. They need to pray that that Flynn Downs is. Bit, and hopefully that Shea Adams will be available again because he's a really important cog in, in the Southampton side, Shea Adams. He was missed a lot on on Tuesday night. He's, he's a player that's been, been really important in the last six, seven weeks, especially through the through the run we were on. Mm. People like people like him, his contract's expiring, but it, we've managed to keep hold of him and they're very lucky to have him. A lot of fans would have been happy to see him go. He was a player that I felt that we needed to keep because he's a, an experienced individual and he'd be somebody that had to get promoted. Now, you're obviously a big Southampton fan. Tell us a little bit about how you came to support Southampton, uh, maybe a couple of your favourite players over the years. Yeah, so I started supporting Southampton in in the 90s. My dad took me to the Dow in, in the 90s. I'm 41 now. I think my first game was against Everton. We lost 3-1 at the Dow. I remember it poured with rain on, on that day. But um, So I grew up watching Matt Letizia, 
uh, an incredible player. I really loved watching him. And I've watched Southampton ever, ever since. I've, I've, there's not many home games I miss. I live on the Isle of Wight, but I travel by boat across the Solent to, to Southampton and watch them play. I've seen some wonderful players. Really enjoyed watching Ricky Lambert in the, in the last promotion run from League One to the Championship to the Premier League. And we've had some really good young talent come through. Gareth Bell, Theo Walcott, Oxlade-Chamberlain. You could go on yeah. and on, couldn't you? We've yeah. had some really good players. I've had the pleasure of watching some some great talent at our football club. So finally, tell us a little bit about the uh, Total Saints podcast and where it can be found. Yeah, the Total Saints podcast is uh, is one of the most popular podcasts right across uh, uh, South, the Southampton fan base, YouTube. You could watch it weekly, live actually, on YouTube as well. There's loads of people tune in. Uh, people always comment in, in the comments as well. It's on all major platforms as well. It's um, an absolute must listen for any Southampton fan. Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Next, we'll hear all about Hull City's push for a playoff spot. Liam Rossini has done a great job with the Tigers. William Young from the To Hull and Back podcast will join us to give his thoughts on their season so far. That's coming up after the break right here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beattie. Plenty still to come as we hear about Millwall's fight for championship survival. And we'll also discuss Darren Moore getting straight back into management with Port Vale. But first... Let's get a whole city perspective on their playoff chances. They sit level on points with sixth place Coventry City and have a game in hand as it looks set to go down to the wire. Can the Tigers return to the promised land of the Premier League? Let's get the thoughts of William Young from the To Hull and Back podcast who joins us now. So, Will, a 2-1 victory over Rotherham in midweek. How important was that win? All very important. Um, after the Swansea defeat, and it was a very poor performance against Swansea, um, City needed to respond. And I mean, it was a poor start. They went behind for a couple of minutes and it was, you started to think about deja vu, it was going to creep in. But they responded well, dominated the game, as they really should when they're a playoff side facing a side near the bottom of the table. They should be the team on top, really. Um, and it, it took a bit, it took a while, but it, to be uh, Victor Johansson, but it took a bit of magic as well in the end as well. Jaden Philogene with an incredible goal. It was ruled an own goal and finally ruled his goal. How special a moment was that? Still not quite sure what he did, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I feel a bit sorry for uh, Rathburn, uh, the Rotherham player who obviously gave away the ball initially. And then brought, uh, instead of squaring the ball across, which would have made perfect sense for Philogene to do there, he decided to nutmeg Rathburn and then come back inside on him and then reburner it into the far corner. I know it does take a little deflection, I think, and I understand why originally it was given as an own goal, but I'm so glad it's been given to Philogene because he deserved it for just the audaciousness of even attempting it. Yes, I mean, an incredible goal, and it's going to be one of those sort of goals of the week, which is a bit annoying as a Watford fan because a Spreer, he, he whacked a brilliant oh, goal. I know, and that's going to get forgotten because of the Philogene goal. So, yeah, a little, little bit annoying, a little bit annoying. Um, to come back and win against Rotherham, does that show the never-say-die attitude of the team right now? I think it does, yeah, because I think, I'm not sure how many we've got from the position, but we've got quite a few points from losing positions this season. We're quite high up on that top statistic. But um, they've always been a side city that, um, well, they've quite often gone behind, which is a concern, I suppose, but they've quite often, when they've gone behind, managed to 
peg a team back, which is a good sign of resiliency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So pushing for the playoffs, do you think the Tigers will cement a place come the end of the season? I'd like to hope so. Um, it's it's one of those things in the championship, but even going into the final game of the season, I don't think the playoffs are ever sorted, really. There's usually one team who's not in it at the start of the final game, who's in it by the end of it. So as long as City stay in that in that zone with West Brom and Sunderland and Preston and all them lot, and Coventry and Norwich, as long as they stay in that zone, there's always a chance. Mm, yeah, I think it was 2007 that Watford played you in the playoffs, and yeah, I don't really want to remember the score because it was a bit, uh, a bit embarrassing. If I remember, if I, remember. I will say it. Don't worry. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, what are the potential weaknesses in the team right now that would prevent you from reaching the playoffs? Well, until re- I mean, recently, our defensive defensively we've been very poor. We've been giving away such cheap goals. And um, I mean, if you look at the goal against Swansea, it was just an unmarked man in the corner. Absolutely awful defending and against that game against Rotherham tonight. Um, it was deflected a little bit, which the keeper couldn't do much about, but it was a poor clearance and initially to allow uh, Christ Daly to strike it. And City's other main problem is, until, well, all season, even with people like Philogene, um, they just don't score the chances they create. We create so many chances and we just waste them all the time. So how impressed are you with the job that Liam Rossini has done with the club? Oh, delighted with him. Um, when he came in, I, I was glad he came in at the time because even though he's an inexperienced manager, it's someone who knows the club. He has an idea of what the fans expect. And he was someone clearly with a vision of how he wants the game to be. And he's implemented that. And obviously there's been a couple of rocky moments, but he's always sort of stuck by his gun, stuck by his vision. And I couldn't be happy with a person who obviously clearly wants to be here for a while, clearly wants to create something here. And actually love, seems to love the club, which is a massive thing. I think that helps him with uh, the fan base. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, does the January loan signing of Fabio Carvalho suggest how Hull has become an admired destination by clubs to send their players? Oh, I would like to think so. I'd like to get more players like Carvalho, uh, more flair players like that. Um, it, I think it's because these players are doing so well at the club. Uh, other teams are obviously looking and seeing, well, they're doing well there under someone like Rossini, they're developing there. Maybe it's good to send out one of our players there as well. So hopefully it's something that continues. I mean, thankfully, they're not all just learns. Philogene's obviously a permanent, thank goodness. Because um, without him, we, we I think without a lot of these players, maybe we'd be struggling. But as long as we can keep enticing players over here, the, it can only be great things for City. We'll talk about the uh, your podcast in a moment. Um, but before that, how did you come to support Hull? How long have you been supporting? Um, I've been a. I've, I'm from Hull. I'm, I've been a Hull fan all my life, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't really start going until uh, the around the mid to late two thousands when I really started properly going on the regular. Um, Favorite player is probably still Nicky Bambi. All right, um, absolute legend. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, and uh, the, the podcast, uh, To Hull and Back, that's a, that's a great name for a podcast. Tell us a little bit about how it started and the, the sort of things that you do on the podcast. Well, it started in the middle of our League One campaign, which wasn't, I mean, we'd had a horrible time uh, in nine, 2019, 2020, just at the start of COVID. And we'd gone on a horrendous run under Grant McCann and gone down. And it was kind of a, we're stuck inside, can't do anything because of COVID. And me and my mate, and who we've done each other since school, he was already trying to start a podcast in the first place. 
But um, he asked me, and I thought, why not? Got nothing else to do because I can't go anywhere. So um, it was in the middle of December. I had, the first episode I recorded from inside my car. I couldn't do anything in the house. That was quiet. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I just thought, I might as well keep doing it. And I think I think it helped that we was in League One and we was watching a team that was doing quite well. So it meant we had plenty of happy things to talk about. I think if we started it during that run with underground McCann, we might have been a bit depressed. Yeah. But I think the positivity really helped going forward. And like I said, we enjoy doing it every week. And obviously we've got more people on now like Nathaniel and Joe. Um, and it's nice to just chat about something every week, considering we all live so far apart from one another. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's when our podcast started doing COVID. I think a lot of them did, to be fair. Now, the last time you and I were in the same room was at the Football Content Awards. Um, it was. How did, you get, how did you get on? We were nominated for Best EFL Podcast, but we didn't claim anything this year. Well, I mean, but in, back in 2022, we got nominated for the first time and we got third, which was, I don't mind, to be fair, and it went to it not expecting much. So to get some recognition like that was fantastic. And it's mm. nice to know that there's people out there listening who actually enjoy it enough to nominate you for stuff like this. Absolutely, absolutely. So final question to you then is, um, where can people find the To Hull and Back podcast? Um, you can find us on most play, uh, most uh, streaming places. Like we do our episodes every Sunday normally. on It's normally streamed on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. And we'll do an audio version as well of that episode. And it'll come out the following day. Um, but yeah, every Sunday, either this week we did it yeah, last night, uh, uh, hoping that we didn't have to just talk about Swansea and we could talk about a victory against Rotherham. <laughs> Superb. Uh, Will, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Up next, we'll be talking all things Millwall. Without a win since January the 1st, they are in a real fight for championship survival. Mickey Simpson from That Millwall Podcast will look ahead to a huge game for them this weekend against Sheffield Wednesday. Stay with us right here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. Shortly, we'll be talking all things Port Vale as they unveil a surprise appointment as their new manager. But first, let's stay in the championship and discuss Millwall's fight for championship survival. Yet another defeat last night, this time at home to Ipswich, where the fans even booed the team off at half-time. The club sits in 21st, only three points clear of safety, with a real possibility of heading down to the third tier of English football. Mickey Simpson from That Millwall Podcast joins us now to give us his thoughts on the current situation. Last night's 4-0 defeat to Ipswich, was the scoreline harsh on that performance? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> it, no. Um, it's, just, it, it's the same thing. No, I, I think we were lucky not to, not for it to be a cricket score, to be honest. Um, so I think four just shows you really that um, Ipswich isn't as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Otherwise, that would have been probably double that. Blimey. Uh, Millwall fans were booing at half-time in that game. What is the current feeling amongst the supporters? Frustration more than anything. Um, you're just not seeing... Um, it, it's fairly split, but you, there's a lot of people what can see what Joe Edwards is doing and sort of are on board with that and know that it's going to take time. But the problem is, is that the players just don't seem to want to, you know, don't seem to defend. I mean, let's be honest, there's 13 goals in the last 16 in the last six games, 
and 12 of those are from mistakes. Mm. And then obviously if you, you know, if you, you count on the penalty from last night, which probably wasn't a penalty, it was outside the box, but you know, it, it's, it's just not going right. But as Joe said on the interview with Sky, you know, it's the same players what went on the winning spree over Christmas. So what's yeah. changed? Millwall were fighting for a playoff spot last season under Gary Rowett. So what's gone wrong this season as the club now battles for championship survival instead? Um, I don't think anything's really changed. I think the players are still gutless and spineless. Um, you know, the Blackburn game, last game of the season, we needed to win it. 3-0 at half-time. And then all of a sudden we come out second half and lost 4-3. I mean, mm. there's still Millwall fans suffering from PTSD over that. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Wow. It, it, it's... Uh, how can you really be 3 0 up and then just come out and lose 4 3? It's, it's, mate, I could have fielded 11 mil wall fans on there, all, you know, <laughs> all in their 50s, balding and, and, you know, rather tubby lads. And we would have still probably kept a, a 3 0 lead, maybe a 3 1, but you wouldn't have just swallowed up like that. It was, it was as if we suddenly, Blackburn at half time, suddenly become Barcelona. Three points clear of safety. Are the fans feeling hopeful of staying up or is panic starting to set in there? I think panic's starting with some. Um, but where'd you go? Do you, do you... You've brought in a young manager with, you know, some experience not managing his own teams, but some experience within youth football and being backroom staff for, you know, Chelsea Champion League winning and, and, and other bits and pieces, working with Frank Lampard and all that. Do you go... Right, it's not working with you. We get rid of you. Hmm. Who are we who are we going to have? I mean, Warnock's gone now. You know, Chris Wilder's <laughs> gone. Yeah. Nathan Jones is gone. Yeah. Um, Houston's obviously gone. He's going potentially to Blackburn. So, who 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 are we going to get in? The only ones left, I think, is ter- is who is it? Well, it'll be Harry Redknapp or Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Um, and yeah, okay, Sam Allardyce did play for us, but they're both West Ham connections. So do you want them coming in? We all saw what happened with um, Steve Lomas. So yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Roy leaving Crystal Palace. I assume that would fill you with dread, right? <laughs> I don't think he'd come to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he'd come to us at all. Well, hopefully not. But yeah, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't think he'd come to us. Uh, I, I just don't know who is out there. And sometimes it's you know what, and I think. I think there's plenty of things what have it, it's not just this last six months. There's mm-hmm. been problems for a while with the way that we recruit, the budget, you know, everything around that. It is just it all comes to a head, doesn't it? You know, if you're not making enough money coming in, you don't have the commercial benefits compared to some of the others. And when yeah. you're looking at, you know, teams like Southampton or Hull and that can pay 13, 14, 20 million pounds for a player. There's no chance in a million years that we'll be paying five million, let alone ten million for a player. We just haven't got that avenue to be able to do it. So we've got to go round with, you know, with our pound shop trolley and um and try and find <laughs> ourselves some bargains. We have done it in the past, Steve Morrison, you know, Lee Gregory, etc. Yeah. Can we do it again? But you've got to find those rough diamonds look overseas maybe let's now hear from Millwall's head coach Joe Edwards who spoke to TalkSport after the defeat last night he believes mistakes and inconsistency is costing his team points right now and not the playing style the stuff that's going on in our own defensive third at the moment you know losing runners and 
you know, giving giving the corner away, not defending it, and then scoring an own goal. <laughs> That's, it's, it is too easy to score against us. But as I said, I was I was in charge of this team through back end of November and December, where we didn't win many games. And all of a sudden, the same group keep four clean sheets on the bounce and put ten points in ten days up on the board. So it's it's really frustrating because it's it's just inconsistency. We, we we know that when we're prepping for games like this, particularly of opponents at this level, that being being solid, being compact, and and defending well is absolutely fundamental. And we we just didn't do it well tonight. That was head coach Joe Edwards speaking after his side's defeat to Ipswich. Millwall without a victory since. January the 1st. How important is Saturday's match against Sheffield Wednesday? Do or die. Really? Um, though, yeah, for Joe, because I um, I think that if we lose Saturday and Southampton will be a nasty game for him mm. um, if he's still in the job. Um, I don't, personally, I don't think the board will get rid of him. But then again, as we've seen in football over the years, fans' power and fans' voice does sometimes make boards a little bit frightened. Um, and sometimes they do it. But again, it's who you're going to have in. You know, is it worth, you know, who you're going to get, where you're going to go with it? If Do you risk, do you take that gamble for, say, the 10, 12 games left? Do you yeah. go get rid of him, bring someone else in who's then going to create a whole new relationship with the players, find out who the you know, who the ones are you need to be in with and not and, and, and everything else, yet they could come in and suddenly throw the whole lot apart and we're yeah. knackered. Yeah, of course. So I would, I would rather keep Edwards. You can see that his football style has changed and I can see what he wants to do, but I totally agree with him that it's silly mistakes, confidence, what drops us. I'd rather Millwall go out and buy a couple of sports psychiatrists, you know, psychotherapists or whatever, mate, and put them in the dressing room with the players to try and just get them onto the right mentality because I think it's the mentality of the players mm. and the fact that they put the red down and the fact that the den is such a a, a cauldron that mm. they just suddenly go, oh, we're one nil down. Rather than looking, we're one nil down, let's go get two. It's, oh, we're one nil down, there's another one coming shortly who's going to yeah. make a mistake. I mean, Jake Cooper last night, why the hell didn't he just kick that ball out instead of stepping over it? I've got no idea. And, you know, Harding, you're going to kick a ball when you're facing your own goal. Mm. Why? Do you know what I mean? What, what, yeah. Why? You, you Don't take a rocket sign to know it's nine, nine times out of ten you're going to put the ball in your net. So the question is then, Mickey, do you believe Millwall will avoid relegation this season? Yes. I think it's trust the process and, and we'll avoid relegation. But if we get into the relegation battle, if we get into that three, I th- don't know if the players have enough in them to get us out of it. That's it, isn't it? It's, don't I don't think it's Edwards fight. as such. I think Edwards learning, coaching, you know, reading the teams. I think yeah. that's great. I just don't know if the players have, uh, are, have that something about them to get out of it. And that's my worry. <clears throat> So, final question for you there, Mickey. How can people find your podcast? It's really easy. It's that Millwall pod um, across all social media platforms or we're on YouTube on that Millwall podcast. But you just type in that Millwall podcast on Google and uh, and you'll find us no, no hassle. Or um, go on the TalkSport website, you'll probably find it there as well. So, uh, yes, it's easy to find. 
Mickey, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Thank you for having me. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Coming up, we'll dive into League One as Port Vale unveiled Darren Moore as their new manager. After his sacking at Huddersfield, 15 days later, he's straight back into management. Johnny Hancock from the Ale and Vale podcast joins us to give us his thoughts. Coming up next here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. It's time now for us to head into League One and discuss the big news this week coming out of Port Vale. Just 15 days after his sacking at Huddersfield Town, Darren Moore is back in management once again as he becomes Port Vale's new boss and looks to steer them clear from potential relegation. An interesting appointment that raised many an eyebrow. Let's now hear from Johnny Hancock from the Ale and Vale podcast to see how it's gone down with the fans as he joins us now. So, Johnny, how happy are you with the appointment? Oh, over the moon. Um, When Andy Crosby was sacked, it was... It was a weird time. Week after the transfer window had closed, we were significantly weaker coming out of the window than we were going into it. And you look at it and you think, what what's next? Sacking a manager like that when you, you've got free agents available still, granted, but you look at the list and it's not a it's not a who's who of players you'd take. Some of them haven't had a club in six months, for example. Yeah. And you're looking, going, have have can we afford that luxury of bringing in a player who hasn't played? So your next step is you look at the manager and you want the manager to make an impact. Now, a few names that were linked were rather uninspiring, um, to say the least. And that's that that that's that, that's in no means disrespectful. But Mark mm-hmm. Kennedy, for example, who was at the game the Tuesday, he hasn't got a track record of keeping teams up and success. He he did really well with Macclesfield. Unfortunately, their points deduction led to the relegation and then had two okay seasons with Lincoln, um, which resulted in him losing his job this year. So we wanted a manager who had a track record of success. We need to stay in League One first and foremost, and then something to build on. So Darren Moore was an outstanding candidate, as was Michael Duff. Them two were the two that... If you would have said to me, you have the pick of any manager that you feel is realistic, so not obviously not a Mourinho Pep sort of thing, but <laughs> yeah. a manager that's within reach, but probably a bit outside of of, of that scope based on being twenty first in League One, them two were the, them two were the ones that were top of the list, and then there was a couple like Mark Bonner, for example, who you looked at and thought it it, it, it do well. So I'm chuffed that we've got got more and he's he looks like he's he's the perfect fit for the club so it sounds like you were surprised to see Darren Moore come back into League One and not look for another championship job right yeah very much so um maybe not not necessarily championship but maybe he he's got he's got the ability to wait to the summer and then see what jobs are available he didn't have to come into work straight away um that there's there's no pressure on that sort of thing you see managers wait six months and get get better jobs but he seems like he's he's brought into the projects of the the whole ethos of the club mm. um and he's so far from his first interview he said the right things so there's not the, the there's nothing 
that isn't positive, apart from the league position. <laughs> well, yeah, quite, yeah. Uh, so on that, what would the appeals be right now for becoming the manager of Port Vale? Um, I think the appeals would be that we've got we've got a good fan base. Now, it's dwindled the last few weeks, which which always happens. It's football's expensive right now, and it's an expense that you can easily cut out when the product on the pitch isn't great. And you can't blame any fan for for taking that route either. You're looking at it can be 50, 50 60 pounds for a family to go. Um and that's not including any of the the added extras sort of thing that if you're taking yeah. children, the food, yeah. the programs and, and stuff like that. So it's a very expensive day out for 90 minutes of of dross, shall we say, that we've been saved <laughs> recently. Um and yeah. So the appeal at the moment is everything around the club, the the fam the family ethos, the the stuff that we do off the pitch, the fact that we've got some real good players in that squad as well who are underperforming. Um and we've got some players who are out injured at the minute who are key players to us. So mm. it's a squad that should survive, but mm. needs the right direction and guidance. So it's 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 a project. And, and I think that's the big thing that, that Darren Moore was talking about. And giving him a five and a half year contract is 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 massive for both parties, really. Can you put your finger on why it didn't work out with Andy Crosby as manager? I think from an outside perspective, I think he was too nice. Right. Um, and that obviously from a football fan's point of view, you want you want board and thunder. Whereas he he came across really nice. Every player that we've spoken to on the podcast has only got good things to say about him. Um they they all talk about his preseason ethic of he gets the players sat down in a room together, talk talks about why are you doing this? Why are you a footballer? What are you, who are you doing this for? What are you doing it for? And whether that's family, personal, what however it is, they they they've all opened up. So he's got this real sense of togetherness, but but it almost then equated to on the pitch that when mistakes were happening, there was there was rather the arm around the shoulder rather than the sometimes kick that 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 you like to see as a fan sort of thing. Like you yeah. obviously don't want to see your players fighting, but when a player makes a mistake and doesn't hold his hands up, you want to see your captain giving him both barrels. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. So yeah, it, it comes across as we're a little too nice, which is probably unfair. Um, but from from a fan's perspective, that that's how that's how it came across. And I think that was the big thing that it was all around the the ethos of let's let's do it our way, let's build it it'll it'll come. And it's his first job. It's it's a learning curve. He his his CV as an assistant manager. If you brought that in, and he wasn't our assistant manager coming in, you'd mm. be really happy with because he's been assistant in the Premier League. He's got promotions as an assistant manager. He's been really involved in these clubs, so he's got a very good CV. Mm. And I think he will go on to manage somewhere else again um, because he deserves the chance. But because of the step up he made. The end of last season wasn't great. Um, we survived because MK Dons were rubbish rather than the fact <laughs> that we were any good. Right. Um, I think that put him kind of on the back step with fans as well because we were a bit like, well, we didn't really see much last season to say that you're going to improve. And then we signed better quality players this season and kind of the same thing happened after the initial 
I think the the opening day was was an eye opener, um, mm. and then after that we went on a real good run, but when results went bad, it 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 almost got to that stage of the point of no return. Um, you see it with managers that that struggle to turn it round and then ultimately lose the job because they can't, and and that was that's how it felt with 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 Andy, unfortunately. Um, but like I say, he's, he's a lovely bloke. We've had him on the podcast. He was really open and honest with us. Yeah. Um, so 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 he goes he goes with best wishes from from the fans. That's pretty cool, actually, that you're getting the manager and current players on your podcast. That's that's a really cool thing, actually. Yeah, we 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 really enjoy it, and it's. It's, we've got a good relationship with the club um, because we we've always been honest about things. We 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 don't we're not unduly criticising. Um, there's nothing that we wouldn't say on the podcast that we wouldn't say to them. Mm. Um, and that and that's and that's the thing. The club the club have been really receptive about the relationship, um, and they have no they have no say in what goes on on the podcast that they, they don't they don't put anything in they they when they sent players and allowed us to talk to players they they'd never said you can't talk about this it's all mm. down to the the individual so it's yeah it, it it's really it's it's really unique so here's a question here's a question for you. there's a lot of rumors that Robbie Williams may be involved in a potential takeover at the club what do you make of that well the club kind of came out and said it's not he's not involved in a takeover he's he's just been made club president um we've got the robbie williams suite at the club now which is um kind of like a director's area slash hospitality suite right. um so he he opened that he, he's put his name against it and he said he wants to be involved in the club because of carol and kevin shanahan right. um so yeah i, I it was it was interesting when it first broke, but then the club quick quickly quashed it. Um, look, we'd love Robbie to be involved. Like we, as much as as much as Wrexham, um, annoys the the average fan because it's it's sold as a oh look at this dream when it's not in reality. It's look at this money that they're pumping in. and then they're doing really well for the local area and good on them. But mm. it, it's it's not it's not a, a wonder dream. It's it's because of financial backing. So mm. we'd we'd all we'd all love to be in that situation, and Robbie could bring that as well as the the other the other bits and bobs and the fact of he's got a lot more Instagram followers, for example, than the club. So pop mm. him in a veil shirt on his Instagram a few times, pop the link in 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 the in the comments bit, and then let's get a bit of income from the average fan sort of thing. So I think he's got a lot to add to the football club, but I can't ever see him actually owning it just due to the fact of we've been in worse states and he's not come and purchase the club. Mm. So it'd be a weird time. And it, it's obviously, everything's always better when you're doing well, but it's, it's also more expensive, isn't it? So, Of course, yeah. Well, like you say, use him as the ultimate influencer. That sounds like a good thing. Um, just before we let you go, uh, Aylan Vale podcast, great name for a podcast. Uh, tell people where it can be found. Yep, so we're part of the TalkSport Fans Network. So we we host on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Acast uh, Player. So they're the three main places where where it's found. Um, and yeah, we're we're on Twitter at at Pod. Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network.
Cheers, Justin. Thank you very much. A reminder that we have two live and exclusive EFL commentaries right here for you on TalkSport 2 this weekend. Our first is tomorrow evening as West Brom hosts Southampton. That kicks off at 8pm. And then on Saturday at 12.30, we have live and exclusive commentary of Plymouth up against Leeds. The race for a promotion really starting to heat up and we'll keep you across all of it right here on TalkSport 2. A reminder, you can listen to the Fan Network show every Thursday evening here on TalkSport 2, whilst EFL All Access is every Monday evening at 6pm. If you miss any of our shows, you can listen on the TalkSport app, and we're also available as a podcast, which you can download from your go-to podcast provider. Just search the EFL All Access feed.